You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, Radiant Church, so good to see all of you. If you are new, my name is Marco. I am the lead pastor here. Welcome to Radiant Church. Hey, as Kinsey mentioned just a few moments ago, I would love for you to be here Wednesday night. I'm just going to kind of seize the opportunity to talk about uh, really some of the most pressing matters of our world today, and that is uh, Israel, sort of uh, the significance of Israel, this conflict that's been raging on truly between the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac since the beginning of history. We'll mix in a little bit of end times theology in it. And we'll also talk about how do we respond. And so I would love for you to be here this coming Wednesday night. We will do our best. I think we're going to stream it. But listen, I would love for you to be here. We usually get about 100 to 110 people on a Wednesday night. I'd love to see 200 adults here on a Wednesday night, worshiping and learning the significance of the times that we are living in. It's going to be a great night, and we hope to see you here at 6.30. Well, listen, we are in part number two of a message series that we have entitled, For Better or Worse, Biblical Principles for Marriage and family. If you haven't watched part one, I want to just tell you, I had so much feedback. It was good feedback from part one. I want you to go on YouTube, type in Radiant Church Base City. You can see all of our uh, services there, all of our messages. You can catch up at any time. So watch part one. And we're talking about marriage and relationships. Now, some of you might be wondering, why would we talk about marriage and relationships? And listen, this is going to pertain to everyone today. So it doesn't matter if you're single, married, dating, Wherever you're at, this is going to speak to everyone. But the reason why we're taking several weeks to talk about marriage and relationships is because if you haven't noticed, marriage as an institution is under attack, isn't it? It's under attack. And listen, um, we know that Satan loves to destroy marriages. Now, why? Well, here's the deal. If Satan can destroy a marriage, what is he going to do? He's going to destroy a family. If he destroys a family, what's he going to do? Eventually, that is going to destroy a society. And if he destroys a society, what happens next? He destroys a nation. And what do we see right now in our nation? Brokenness. And it's a result, I'll tell you right now, it's a result of the breakdown of the family Satan loves to do this. Now, sociologically speaking as well, people are actually doing two things. They're waiting much longer to getting married, to be married, like into their 30s, or they're not even getting married at all. So couples are living together, which is cohabitation, but that leads to sexual immorality, and then you have brokenness and pain on that, and when that splits up, you have several baby daddies, and it just gets messy, and then you have what? It leads to brokenness, increase brokenness and what? Poverty. And the idea is, is that God has a way for us to do relationships. And I want to just tell, I tell you this in love, but if we choose to do it our own way, what happens? There's going to be a price to pay. There's a price to pay. And, and I don't say that as a, we, as a means to condemn anyone. I say that as a way, listen, I want you to do relationships God's way. Why? Because there's a blessing that follows obedience. Right? Amen. Yes. Come on, second service, you got to help me out this morning. 
There's always a blessing that follows obedience. And I wish I could get more believers and church people to understand that. And we just want to live together. No, don't do it the world's way. Don't, don't begin sinful patterns right now. Do it God's way. And I promise you there's a blessing there. Will it be perfect? Of course not. But it's always better God's way than our own way. And so today, listen, I specifically want to talk about, this is going to touch all of you today. I want to specifically talk about breaking the bondage of generational sin. Woo, somebody said, yes. <laughs> Come on. This topic has really impacted my life personally and with my own family, with my own marriage. And I want to begin by saying this this morning, that we, you know, collectively, all of us, you and I, we are a byproduct. We are a reflection of who? Of mom and dad. Mom and dad, right? In fact, this is something we all know. This is the way biology works, right? We hear people say, oh, he looks just like his father. She looks just like her mother. My, my son, uh, he looks so much like me that people say, that's your mini-me, right? And, and I take it as a compliment because he's got my dashing good looks, right? So, I mean, I take that as a compliment, and he's got my, my good looks. But I want to just tell you this morning that the physical DNA, the DNA that uh, makes up physical characteristics of our lives are not the only thing that are transferred from one generation to the next. There is such a thing as what we might call spiritual DNA. Spiritual DNA transferred from one generation to generation. What is that? It's this. These are unseen sin patterns that are transferred from parents to children and so on and so forth. Unseen sinful patterns. So we not only transfer our good looks, hopefully, right? But we also transfer the, pit, the patterns of sinful behavior that have also been passed down to us. And if we're not aware, we'll keep transferring those patterns over to the next generation, and then our kids are going to take those patterns and they're going to transfer them to their kids and so forth and so on. And here's what happens, church. The sinful patterns create negative results in our world and in our lives. Now, these come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. I'm going to give you a list. I'm going to, you know, name about 10 of them, but this is not an exhaustive list. I could throw another 50, 60, 70, 100 on top of this list, if you can think of it, it's probably a sinful pattern. Let me just give you some to begin to show you what these look like in real life. Lying, cheating, stealing, addiction. Daddy was an alcoholic, son becomes an alcoholic. His son becomes an alcoholic and so forth. Lust. Anger. You got an anger problem in your family? Did daddy have an anger problem? Did grandpa have an anger problem? Did great grandpa have an anger problem? Greed. Unbelief. And when I say unbelief, I mean a hard heartedness towards the Lord. Unbelief in your family. They were hard hearted. Would not submit or surrender to Jesus Christ. Laziness. Anxiety. Depression. Hatred, racism, chauvinism, pride, passivity, 
An inability to deal with conflict, poverty, you name it, right? We could add another 100 to this list. So let me just flesh these out for you because I want you to really get an understanding of what these look like in our lives. Uh, This first example, I gave it to you just a couple of weeks ago. But mom or dad, every night dad drinks, right? And he's got to have a cup of Bud Lights. He's got a cup. Maybe maybe it's bourbon. Maybe it's whiskey on the rocks, right? And he does this for 10, 20 years or whatnot. Little Johnny grows up. And what does little Johnny do as he grows up? He drinks every single night just like daddy or mommy drank. What about this? You may have heard of the cycle of poverty, the cycle of poverty. Grandma, grandpa, they were on welfare. They could have worked, but they chose not to work, so they were on welfare. Mom and dad were on welfare. Son and daughter will probably be on welfare. Why? Because they can work, but they have a mindset of poverty now. It's really prevalent in Bay City. It's a poverty mindset. What about this one? His daddy was a liar. He's a liar. Grandparents were divorced. Mom and dad were divorced. I think their marriage is hanging for divorce as well. Sinful patterns passed through generation after generation, right? Grandma was a single mom. Mom was a single mom. It looks like daughter may end up in that same spot. The idea is, listen, if we don't recognize these, aware of them, ask for a divine intervention, these patterns may just continue to be passed down from one generation to generation. Let's get a little bit more personal in my own life. Um, I want to use myself as an example. When we started having kids, um, uh, well, let me just say this first. Uh, When I was growing up, I feared my dad. And I was afraid of him because he was a disciplinarian. He would punish us. And if we saw dad do this, what's that mean? The belt, right? That's, I'm old school, right? So I grew up with an old school dad, and he would grab the belt. And if we saw dad grab his belt, kids went, let me just like, we're gone. We're out of here. And all we needed mom was to say was this, you wait until I tell dad when he gets home. And we were like, oh, no, 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 no. Please don't tell him. No, no, mom, please, 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 please. Right? We get on our knees, right? So when I started having kids, I wanted my kids to fear me in that same way. You know what I mean? Because I think back on my life, and I was a good kid because I was afraid of dad. Like, I didn't want to get punished by dad. So I was a good kid. Um, But the problem with that was that my relationship with my father, if I can be really honest with you, it was just okay. It was okay. It wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't great. And I'm not dishonoring my father. You You can recognize sinful patterns and not dishonor your parents. Amen? Some of you are so worried that you're going to dishonor parents. You can recognize sinful patterns. It doesn't mean you're throwing them under the bus. But I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. In fact, as I grew up, as I grew older, we only talked every once in a while. And when I was a kid, you know, God bless him, but he never showed me much affection. We didn't have a strong relationship. As I grew older, we yelled at each other. We would curse each other out. I would help my dad fix the, fix the tractor. And we get so mad at each other, we were dropping F-bombs at each other. I was so angry. And I was like, screw this. I don't want anything to do with it. And I would walk away. Now, I love my dad. He loved me. But as I became an adult and began to 
to, to, to parent my own children. I wanted them to fear me. But the problem with that is that there was a brokenness inherently attached to that of the relationship. So my wife began to point out to me. She said, honey, I understand that you want your kids to fear you, but there's a problem there. You're not going to have a relationship with them. And what we learned together in our family is we learned this. And write this down. This is important if you're taking notes. That rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. Rules without a relationship leads to rebellion. So fathers especially, your kids need to hear you say more than just, hey, do that. Hey, pick that up. Hey, shut your mouth, young man. They need to hear you do more than just yell at them and order them around. They need instruction. They need discipleship. They need you to show them how to do things. And my relationship with my father was broken, and it wasn't his fault or my fault. There was just sinful patterns there. And my wife pointed that out to me. She says, your kids need more than just dad as the disciplinarian. They need dad as daddy. Your kids need to know, my kids need to know that no matter what happens, come hell or high water, even if they're in big, deep trouble, they can come to us and they can talk. Because if we don't have a relationship with them, they'll run the opposite direction. And so when I learned that, it changed the way that I fathered my son and my daughter. It changed the way. It, it was a revelation. My kids just can't fear me. Yes, I can discipline. I'm for discipline. The Bible talks about discipline. But they must also have a relationship with their father. And so that's how it showed up. That's one of the ways it shows up in my own life. Parents, we know this. We know that raising kids is the most difficult job on the planet. But we also know this, that it's the, the most important role and responsibility that God has given us. Now, here's what we should learn when it comes to raising kids. And you can put that on the screen. It's this. Is that kids not only observe our behavior, but they also absorb our behavior. Kids not only observe our behavior, but they absorb our behavior. So listen, mom and daddy, when you're fighting and you're cussing each other out, listen, listen, a sober warning here. You can tell, Johnny, don't you use that F word like mommy and daddy do. Don't do that. But just wait while I yell at dad, though. Hold on. You can do that all day long. It will be ineffective because most likely little Johnny is going to use profanity, maybe not with you around, but with his friends, with other people when he's not at home. And that sinful pattern, listen, is not only observed, but it's also absorbed. What does that mean? That means, parents, we have such a ginormous responsibility with our kids. They're absorbing. They're observing what we do. So, so, so what do we do? What do we do about this? What's the solution? I'm going to talk about that today um, because here's the idea. When I showed up on my wedding day, and, and, and it wasn't just me. It was my wife, and it's all of you in the room too as well, if you're married or not married. When I showed up on my wedding day, I didn't show up by myself. Did you know that? I showed up with a backpack. I showed up with the, uh, you know, the bag, like a tote bag around my shoulder. I showed up with the carry-on bag. I showed up with another bag. I had, guess what? Baggage. And guess what? When we were at that altar, my wife, as beautiful as she is, she showed up with a whole load of baggage. And I agreed. 
to take all of her baggage and all of my baggage, and guess what? We put our baggage together. And then when we moved in together, we had a whole bunch of baggage. And we're like, where are we going to put these, babe? I don't know. Like, I didn't know you had that. Like, what? Wait a minute. We were, we were dating. You didn't show me that piece of, you didn't show me that bag. When we went out to Uno's, right, and, and I bought you pizza, you did not have that bag. Where did that come from? Because you, you got to get rid of that, babe. That will not last in my life, in my home, right? This, this is the reality of our relationships, that when we show up in a relationship, we bring all of our baggage, and little does our spouse know, oh, you don't even know. You don't even know my baggage, right? But it's true. So what do we do about it? How do we deal with this in our marriages, in our, in our relationships? I want to talk about that uh, this morning, but before we do that, let's just take a moment, let's pray, and we'll get into the book of Genesis. Father in heaven, we love you. We're grateful for the waters of baptism, Lord, um, for new life. We're grateful for just the ways that we see you working and growing Radiant Church. Father, it's a miraculous thing to see how we've grown uh, so rapidly in the last year or so, God. You're bringing more people to faith in Jesus Christ, God, and we recognize your power, God. We recognize your spirit working in this community, Lord. Father, um, we just pray that you would uh, draw marriages together, Lord. I know there's some marriages on the rocks right now. Uh, relationships, families, God, that, that are broken. Would you heal hearts today as I, as I speak, Lord? Would you do a miraculous softening of the heart today for some, for some individuals in this room or watching online, Father? We pray that. Lord, we continue to pray for the war in Gaza. and We, we, we pray, Prince of Peace, come rapidly, come quickly, for we know the carnage will continue, God. We pray uh, for Israel, Lord, and God, that there might be peace in Israel. We pray for the Palestinian civilians, Lord, who are not involved, Lord, that they would be kept safe. We pray, God, that, that the Hamas would be uh, eradicated completely, Lord, from uh, this planet, the evil, Lord, that you would go and eradicate that, or oh, Lord, save many, God. Jesus, we pray that you would appear to Jewish and Muslim people alike, God, and that many would come to know who you are through this, God. Finally, we pray for every hostage to come home safely, Lord. Lord, this is messy and bloody and complex, Father. But we ask the Prince of Peace to come. We know that there will be conflict until Jesus steps back onto the Mount of Olives, which is what it says in his word. So, God, would you come quickly? We need you to intervene in this world, Lord, as it's shaking. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken, Lord. We call upon the Prince of Peace. And today, Father, I pray that if anyone is far from you, um, that they would just make a confession of faith, that they would bow their knee and their heart to Jesus Christ today, God. We thank you for all of this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Genesis chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, I want you to open up your smartphones uh, everybody has a smartphone. Uh, you can download the YouVersion app, and you can read the Bible on there. I would recommend that you have a hardcover or a, a hard copy Bible, and the reason why is because these things are so distracting, right? So I'd recommend if you don't have a Bible, we'll buy one for you. We'll, we have one here, or we'll get you one, okay? We'll get you one. I promise that. You need to have a Bible. And listen, can I just encourage you, church, you need to read that Bible every day. Jesus said in John 15, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. If you abide in me, you will, you will bear much fruit to my Father's delight, to my Father's glory. If my words remain in you, 
I will remain in you, right? So listen, church, I want to just encourage you. The days of cultural Christianity are done. They're over. They're over. There will be a price to pay for claiming the name of Jesus. Mark my words. And that price grows heavier every single day. But I want you to be in your word. I want you to challenge. We're, we're living in exciting times right now, you guys. Just incredible uh, what God is doing. And his return grows, draws near every single day. Genesis chapter 12 we're going to be in. We're going to look at um, a generational sin pattern with a family. And we're going to start with daddy. Daddy is Abraham. Then we're going to go to Isaac. And then we're going to finally go to Jacob. And we're going to look at a generational sin pattern in the life of Abram that he gave to Isaac, that Isaac gave to Jacob. So if you have a Bible, it's Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse number 10. It says this, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a babe of a wife you are to me. Beautiful woman. Just making sure you were paying attention. When, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say, you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake. And my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her. They praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Now, time out here. This is the ancient Near East. Now, the way that you measured wealth in the ancient Near East was very different than the way that you measure wealth today. Wealth was measured in livestock, in servants, in camels, in animals, and in all those sorts of things. So what we see is Abram being sort of lavished with wealth and prosperity because of what he's done here. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram, what have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is, she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Okay, let's pause here for just a moment. What do we see happening here with, um, with Abram? Well, Abram essentially lies, right? He lies because he's self-preserving. He wants to save his own life. He wants to be treated well. Um, he's afraid. He's fearful. Um, he, maybe there's a bit of greed even going on, selfishness sort of mixed in there. As a result of that, there's dishonesty. Unfortunately, his son Isaac is going to face the same problem. This is going to pass down to the next generation. Genesis 26, 6 through 9 Genesis 26, beginning in verse number 6. It says this. So Isaac stayed in Gerar, and when the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. Same lies daddy told. Because he was afraid to say she is my wife, he thought. The men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah because she's beautiful. When Isaac had been there for a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac. He's getting all, you know, cuddling and caressing his wife, Rebekah. 
So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she's my sister? Isaac answered him, because I, I thought I might lose my life on account of her. So here we go again. The pattern. Like his father, Isaac tells the people that Rebekah is his sister to avoid potential harm coming his way. Again, he's afraid, fearful. It results in dishonesty. The king, Abimelech, discovers the truth, and what does he do? He, re he rebukes Isaac. He's like, why would you do this? He rebukes him. All right, so we've gone from Abraham to Isaac. Let's go from Isaac now to Jacob and see what happens here. Genesis 27, just a chapter later, 27, Genesis 27. Go ahead and just move over to verse number 18. Verse number 18. He went to his father. This is, this is uh, Jacob. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Now, his, his father is blind at this time, okay, just so you know. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. He's lying to him. I have done as you told me. He wants, I, he want, he wants Isaac's blessing. That's meant for Esau. Please sit up and eat some of my games so that you may give me your blessing. Okay, so here's what we see again. Dishonesty, deception. Jacob deceives his blind father to receive his blessing that was intended for his brother Esau. So with Rebekah's help, his mom, Jacob fools his father to receive that blessing. It's a pattern. It's a sinful pattern of lying and deception from one generation to the next. Now listen, let me just say this. I can guarantee you that your parents, my parents, they were not perfect. Okay? So we just need to understand that. And I guarantee you that your parents were handed baggage that they did not ask for. All right? So let's recognize that first, that our parents were imperfect, and they were also handed baggage that they did not ask for. And in the areas of their lives where they were godly, we are at an advantage. But in the areas of their life where our parents were ungodly, we're a bit at a disadvantage, okay? It doesn't mean all hope is lost, so I don't want to discourage anyone, but it does mean we're at a slight disadvantage and that we're going to have to live with some real intentionality the way that we live our lives right now, okay? And so what do we do about this situation now that we've seen it happen in the biblical text? What, are, what can we do to... Uh, what's the solution? How do we walk this out? I'm just going to give you five things, and these are pretty practical, okay, because I want this to be very applicable to all of you today. I don't want to have anyone leave like, man, that was awesome. I don't know what he said, but that was awesome. I want you to walk away saying, man, I, I got to go to the Lord. I, I got to do these steps. I, I want to make sure that I'm doing my part. So step number one is this, make peace with the past. Make peace with the past. And so I am not recommending, let me be clear, I am not recommending that you go on a witch hunt with your parents or grandparents. I'm not recommending that you call them out, you call them up, cuss them out, send them a dirty text message, and blame them for all your dysfunction. Do not do that. That is not the solution. Furthermore, that will only lead to further resentment and bitterness. You have to make peace with the past. 
If you want to fill your life with more bitterness, anger, and hatred, you can go ahead and do that. I would not recommend it, though. It's like a cancer, and it will eat you alive. So make peace with the past, okay? We can't blame mom and dad for our own actions. Let me repeat that. We cannot blame mom and dad for our own actions. Mom and dad may have demonstrated it. Mom and dad may have illustrated it, but we can choose differently. We can choose differently. Church, let me, let me, I want you to hear me say this to you. Don't use what someone else did in a previous generation to excuse or justify your sinful behavior. Man, I don't hear enough amens for that one. Amen. Don't use what happened in the previous generation. Be your crux, be your justification for your sinful behavior. You must begin to make peace with the past. Number two, it leads us to number two. You must what? Forgive your parents. Forgive your parents. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, Paul writes, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of what? Malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. You must forgive your parents. Can I just ask you this this morning? What bitterness are you holding on to? What resentment? What, what are you holding on to? And if you keep bringing it up, guess what? You're holding on to it. That's the number one sign that you're holding on to it because it keeps coming up. What anger, what malice, what bitterness, what hatred are you hanging on to? Forgiveness will set you free from the poison of bitterness and a resentment that will rot your soul away. Paul says this. Paul says that forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Have you been forgiven by Jesus? Have you confessed him as your Lord and Savior? Have you bowed your knee? Have you said, Jesus, I'm a I'm a sinner, and I want to turn away from that. If you have, listen, then you've been forgiven. And therefore, listen, you must also forgive. You must also forgive. When we begin, when we begin to forgive, here's what, here's what will happen. We'll watch. We'll, you'll begin to see generational sin patterns like the handcuffs, the chains. They'll begin to break away. I know it might not all happen at the same time, and all at once. But listen, this is your first step. You cannot go around this step, by the way. Some people try to. It does not work. It's just not the way that it's built. You have to begin with forgiveness first. And then once you forgive, then you can begin to move forward and watch. Listen, as the chains begin to break. Listen, we have to forgive our parents and what? We got to show them a little grace. We've got to show them a little grace because we've been forgiven of so much. We must show them grace. Number three, take responsibility for the discipleship of your children. Take responsibility for the discipleship of your children. Let me read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your Hearts, and then he says this, and press them on your who? 
Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I want you to notice that the, that, that the commandment here is written to parents. Parents, right? So the number one role um, that we have as parents, listen, is this, is to lead our children to God. That's the number one role and job that we have. It's the number one responsibility. Are we perfect? Of course, no, not at all, okay? But we have a role to play, and we cannot delegate that role out to someone else, okay? Parenting cannot be a burden that we give over to someone else. It has to be us. It's us that leads them to God. No, are we perfect? Does it guarantee they're going to be Christians? No, it doesn't guarantee. Does it guarantee they're going to have a perfect life? Absolutely not. It does not guarantee any of that. It does not. And yet, listen, we have a responsibility. Listen, it's not the daycare's job to disciple your kids. It's not the school's job to disciple your kids. The Lord knows that, right? It's not even the church's job to disciple your kids. It's your job. It's my job. The church, here's what the church is. The church is a partner with you in discipling your kids. It's a partner. It helps to equip you and encourage you. But I can't be with your kids 24 hours a day, okay? And I understand we have access to everybody we want 24 hours a day. But it just doesn't work that way. And I know, and I'm not beating up on anyone this morning. I, wanna, I want you to hear that. I'm not trying to beat up any parents. That's not my job, okay? Not at all. Not at all. Because I know many parents, here's what I hear as a pastor, I feel so unqualified to disciple my child. I feel like I'm just so ill-equipped. Well, let me just tell you this right now. You may be ill-equipped, but you are that child's parents. Therefore, you were designed by God himself to disciple your kids. And so I know how you might feel, right? But you've been been designed by God, and therefore, listen, with a little bit of help, with a little bit of direction from the church, with a little bit of encouragement, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Is it difficult? Well, absolutely. Is it going to be easy? No way is it going to be easy. No way. But we're designed, we're called by God as parents to disciple our kids so that they might grow up in the admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not exasperate. That means frustrate or infuriate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let me just say something quickly about that. Fathers, how, how often do you exasperate your children? I don't know, but I do it sometimes. I, I want you to notice that that's written towards fathers, not mothers. Fathers, we have a tendency to be overly harsh with our children, and I know that I've been guilty of that. I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect, that I've done it well, perfectly, every single time. The, the, the commandment's written to me, just like it is written to you. I just know that I have a, if, if in my flesh, I have a tendency not to instruct my kids, but to exasperate them. To, what's that mean? To push their buttons. Come on, what, what you, can't you do that better? Are you serious? Are you not done yet? Good Lord, are you, oh, well, again? You dropped it again. Where are you going to get it right? That's what it means to exact. Here's what this leads to. Eventually, they're going to grow up, and they're going to hate your guts. 
Because why? You've made them mad. Excuse my language. I didn't say it. Almost did. Hey, hey, can I just be real today, though? I feel like, okay, let me just, let me, let me just, I just feel like if I don't get this real, people will leave not understanding. Like, I, I got to get real. I got to step into the reality of what it means here. So, excuse me, I didn't mean to say that. But our kids will eventually, they, they become angry with us. We'll, we'll, do, we'll cut that out of the podcast, hopefully. We'll, <laughs> I think it's live right now. Shoot. We'll take it off. They'll become so angry and embittered at us. Why? Because daddy only had negative things to say about me. Rather, what the father should be doing, and this is, a, I'm preaching to myself, we should be instructing children, here's how you do this. Let me walk you through this. And, and I know, fathers, I'm not, I'm not here to beat you up. For some of you, you're thinking, my daddy didn't do that. And my heart breaks for you. But let me just encourage you. You have a choice. You can do that. Well, I don't, I, I'm not perfect at it. It's okay. I'm not either. And I fail. I fail. And you're going to fail too. But can I just encourage you? There's grace. There's grace. So we instruct our children in the admonition and the instruction of the Lord. It's our job. It's our responsibility. And I know sometimes if husbands were, so many husbands are guilty of being so passive. They want to pass the buck to someone else. That is the sin from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Adam blamed his wife. He wasn't around. And listen, it's so easy for fathers to become entirely passive when it comes to parenting. I am tempted with it every single day. I promise you that, and we must be aware of that. Number four, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas of generational sin. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas of generational sin. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, David is offering God this invitation to come in, to search his heart, to know him, to show him all the ways that he falls short, to show him the offensive ways. And for parents, it's to show us where we fall short, to show us where our ways do not align with the will of God. Because why? Because our, our kids are observing and absorbing, observing and absorbing, observing and absorbing. And so what do we do? We ask the Holy Spirit. And I know this is a scary prayer, but I want to just encourage you. The Father is so kind when he does this. He's so kind. And when he shows you something, he, he doesn't show you because he wants to take a hammer and bash you upside your head. He shows you in a kind and loving way so that what? He can reveal because revealing leads to healing. Healing leads to freedom. So, so listen, when you pray this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because the Father is so kind. He'll show you not to bash you but to heal you and to bring you to a place of freedom. And you can pray that today. Lord, show me where my will, where my ways don't align with your will. And you just listen for a while. Don't talk. Just listen for a while. And he'll be a kind, good father to you. I promise you, he will. Number five, confess and repent. Confess and repent. Here's what we have to decide. Regardless of what my parents did, regardless of what my grandparents did, I can recognize what I'm doing is a sin and I can repent of it. 
And when we recognize it as sin and repent, what are we doing? We're taking accountability. We're taking responsibility, okay? That's what that means. In other words, we're not shifting blame. Maybe you grew up and for years, well, daddy did this and my mama didn't show up and he didn't. And you just live like a victim for years. And I don't want you to live like a victim. I want you to live like a victor. Because you do have victory in Jesus Christ. You don't have to live like a victim. Because you're not. Here's what the word tells us. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I want to say this, and I say it in all the respect I can. Um, maybe you're here and you're visiting because of the baptisms and uh, you grew up Catholic. And I want to just say that I grew up Catholic as well. And maybe you're, you're looking at that verse and you're saying, well, um, Pastor Marco, I'm accustomed to going to confessional. And I understand that. And, and I'm not here to dog you out on that at all. I, I say this in all the respect. Here's what we believe, though, in Protestant theology. We believe that Jesus was the one who took our sin upon that cross. He took all of our guilt, all of our shame. And so what, what that means is that Jesus, and Paul writes about this. You can read it yourself in the New Testament. Paul writes that Jesus is our mediator. He's the go-between between us and the Father. And he becomes that because why? Because, again, Jesus took the penalty of our sin. Three days later, Jesus was raised to new life. He was raised. He's alive and well. And so uh, when we look at verses like this, I, I want to just be careful. Uh, you don't have to go to confessional. You can, you can actually confess to Jesus yourself at home. Or you can talk to who? You can talk to a brother and sister in Christ. And so and this may be new for some of you here or you're watching online, perhaps. And, and I want to just say that Jesus is our mediator and we can now confess directly to him. Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, or literally that means to, there's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. A change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. You have to change the way you think about something before your behavior will change. So the gospel that Jesus preached was a gospel of repentance. And somehow, I think in many evangelical circles, we have forgotten about that piece. Right? We're just like, oh, yeah, he forgives me. I'm good to go, and i got to live my life how I want to. Well, that's not actually what the Bible talks about, though. The Bible says to repent for the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven has come near. Acts 2.38, Peter replied when he's preaching to the multitude, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we receive when we confess our sin, when we uh, ask Christ to renew us and make us into a new creation, right? And I want to just go ahead, and we're going to begin to close now here. Let me just say a few more things. And I know this was, a, this was just Pastor Marco being pretty up, like pretty bold and pretty real today. And I felt like all week long, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you got to get real with these people. Like the end is drawing near. Like when I turn on the news, I see stuff, man. And I'm like, man, the gospel matters more than anything. And people being set free by Jesus, it matters more than anything. And so I just want to encourage you. I'm here to encourage you, not discourage you. Listen, your parents may have demonstrated that sin. They may have illustrated that sin to you. But I want to encourage you this morning, church, you have a choice to make. Are you going to obey God or disobey God? You have a choice 
to make. And again, you don't have to be a victim. You don't, you, you don't have to walk around saying, Mom and Dad, they, they just made me this way, and, and Dad was this way, Mom was this way. I guess that's just who I am. No, that is not who you are. You are, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. You are not a victim. Now, these things may have happened to you in your past, and you may have grown up watching Daddy drink every night, but you don't have to choose the same thing. You have the Holy Spirit, if you're in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, and He gives you the power to choose that which is righteous. And I want to just empower you today. I want to encourage you today. All hope is not lost. Maybe you're like, Pastor Marco, but I made some mistakes. Hey, me too. So did I. But you're a pastor. Well, yeah, but I'm human. And I've made some mistakes. And I have a choice to make. Can I obey God or disobey God? I have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. I want you to make that choice to obey God today. Why? Because it's going to change your family line from this point on. You can literally change your family, your generational line from this point on. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to remain in the, in the place where you're at. I want you to be the person today that stops the transfer of generational sin patterns from one generation to the next. It can stop with you. It can stop with you. Right? Make peace with the past. Begin to forgive. Right? Confess. Repent. All right, all those steps that I gave you, you can take those steps today. And you, you don't need me, okay? You can do this by yourself. With, you can do this in your prayer time. The Holy Spirit will show you those patterns of sin. Don't use it as a way to beat up mom and dad. Don't use it as a way to beat up grandma and grandpa. Do not do that. That will not lead to life. It will only further embitter you. Forgive, make peace move forward, offer grace, and make a decision today that you will not let that generational sin pattern continue on with you. Today, listen, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, it starts there. It starts there. I tell my wife, we talk to each other, and we'll say this, our kids are blessed. That's what we'll say to each other. We don't say it in a way that's bragging or boastful. We say it in the sense that both of us are serving the Lord. And because of that, it doesn't mean that our kids are perfect. It doesn't mean that we'll be perfect. It doesn't mean that it doesn't guarantee that they're gonna be Christians. But what it does allow us, it allows us to establish a firm foundation in the faith. It starts there. The day that I submitted to Jesus Christ, the day that my wife submitted to Jesus Christ, and then we were married and had kids, that changed our generational line for good.